the very last thing that he said, religious or not, I don't know why this would happen. And it made me look at life so differently. And just still to this day, I can't really wrap my head around it. The last thing that he said was, it's me, God, open your gates. Only a senior in college at FSU, Candace Cheatwood was blindsided when she learned her boyfriend was diagnosed with testicular cancer. For two years he battled, and she was right by his side caring for him till his last day. Imagine being in your last year of college and have to take on that responsibility. My last year of college, the priority for me was not to have any morning classes so I didn't go in hungover. I was very impressed with her strength and her decisiveness to let her feel her feelings and cope with the grief how she saw best for her. Join us on this journey of how one experience can change your perspective on life forever in another episode of Dead Talks. Your first podcast. My first one. I probably would have backed out out of pure fear, but when I saw you yesterday and I was on the other end of town and I was like, wait a second. I was like, okay, that's just too weird of a coincidence. There's some kind of sign telling me to push Something. through. That's, that's, that's like definitely bizarre, especially the timing, the day before. Let alone mm-hmm. just in general. I mean, so this is the fr- only what the second time we've actually second time we met. Yeah. So uh, that it, that alone, especially I didn't know you were feeling that way about you know the nerves that are kicking in for the podcast. Yeah. So if I was in the other side of that, I would have been ready to go. No, the second. I mean, I turned to the left and I was like, I mean, the plate. You know, I was like, that has to be him. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, all right, this is a sign. You you have you can't back out tomorrow. You have to do. I know I was, and I was only on the road for 15 minutes going from one place to the other. And then I got that text from you saying, are you, did I see you? I think I just saw you in the car right next to me. Yeah. So strange. <laughs> so there, so weird there you go. things. 9-11 is my birthday. You know, all those weird things. And a lot of that has been, uh, you know, when you pay attention to that stuff, they're there. And I, I usually, you know, I guess the old homage is when you, the synchronicities and those things, mm-hmm. and maybe that means you're on the right path or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, believe what you want, but it's, I guess it's how you just, you know, define it yourself and perceive it. But that's, come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's a I'm little bizarre. Even, I'm not even, you know, a super religious person, mm-hmm. but after everything I went through, I definitely started seeing signs here and there and, you know, just taking that on like, okay, you know, maybe you should listen to this. Just weird things. Like today, you know, my late fiance you know, the photos pop up, like memories will pop up in your iPhone. Mm-hmm. The picture that pops up, me and him, of all days today when I'm going to come talk about this. I'm like, all right, this is weird. And so you said you started noticing signs more a- more after your experience. I is think some, so. Yeah. One million percent. Just weird little things would happen, you know, little. And, you know, maybe after you go through something like that, you kind of grab on to any little sign you can, especially at first, mm-hmm. I think. And then it's kind of fades over time. But like I said, you know, when you asked me to come on here and then all these little things started popping up, I was like, all right, this is, these are signs coming at me. Also, his birthday was last week. Was it? (laughs) Very strange. Your birthday was last week. And I was just like, you know what? I think he's speaking to me in some weird way to tell me to come on and, you know. Well, I'm happy. Yeah. Happy here, seriously. Yeah, me too. And it's... I've spoken about this before and, you know, a lot of the part of the podcast is hoping it helps, you know, someone else listening. But what I've learned from having great conversations with people have come on 
and maybe you feel the same way. I don't know. You tell me, but it can be very therapeutic for even the person coming on from, mm-hmm. for better or for us. I don't know. It's up to you. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not screwing everything up, but you know, it's, it's a lot of the people that have spoke to on here are comfortable speaking about it as are you. I mean, mm-hmm. even our first conversation, you were so beautifully open and just put yourself out there, which I have tremendous respect for. Thank you. And they learn themselves and you know, this has actually felt good for me because I, I, it's not that often you talk about death in, you know, a uh, an extended period of time like this, where it's okay. This is what we're this is what we're speaking about. We allocated this time to do this one on one, no distractions. When most of the time, even for me, it comes up periodically in small little conversations about my dad. Right. So this time, you know, we're really sitting down, looking at each other face to face, and know what we're talking about. So you never know what comes out. Exactly, and I mean the thing is, it's like you know. Over time, everybody says, like, how do you deal with grieving, you know, the process? How do you heal? And, of course, the cliche is everyone says, oh, you heal time. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But it really is true, you know. So could I have done this, you know, years ago? Probably not. But now, you know, it's been five years. And so I've come to a place to where I can talk without breaking down. (laughs) So is that something you've... Have you thought about this prior to me to ever considering being on a podcast where you've noticed, you know, you're, you're gone to a certain point? Like, if that makes any sense, where you're saying maybe I'm okay with talking about it now, but then no. Was there a certain point where you, you know, the light switched? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I don't know if it was the same for you. The grieving process was like a roller coaster. Everyone's pushing you to go to therapy. Some people love that. It works for some people. Mm-hmm. For me... I didn't want to have to relive that Mm. and try to explain to a therapist everything I had just dealt with just to get her outside opinion, you know. Mm. I decided I want to deal with it myself, you know, and everyone around me was, you know, I was 24 at the time, now I'm 30, and everyone was saying, you know, oh, you need therapy, you need depression medication, you know, this and that. And I was just headstrong about, no, I'm going to cope with this how I want to cope with it. Mm. You just let me do my thing. And, you know, one day at a time. And the thing about it is at the time, which is why I really love and respect what you're doing. I, I was looking for somebody else. Like, you know, if there was a podcast at the time, I don't even know if podcasts were a thing. then. I was looking for books or articles. I remember Googling just looking for somebody who had gone through a similar experience as me, you know, and something that I could find any sort of connection with there, but I didn't ever really find anything. And I just dealt with it internally and, you know, one day at a time, but it's a roller coaster because you are super angry at first, you know, like I remember people would be just, you know, happy. And and I'm just like, what the hell are you so happy about? You know (laughs) what I mean? Which, which goes to like, everyone is going through something you never know, you know, you never know. And so it just kind of makes you look at life differently. You know, like at first I was super angry, you know, and then I realized, okay, you know, I healed. Um, But it just makes you look at life differently. Like someone, you know, wants to flick you off and you're driving down the road and you're like, okay, you, you go right ahead. You know, you have no idea what that person is dealing with. So I, I don't know. I just, I don't know if that even answers your question, but I just kind of, I just look at things differently now. And, you know, I think that's a really good example though, especially say someone flips you off and uh, it's tough for me to pinpoint. I even asked you the question about pinpoint, you know, at what point were you comfortable with it? I can't even answer that myself. So I don't know what the hell I was doing asking you. Maybe I was like, maybe she knows and I can figure it out for me. But uh, 
It makes sense when you know someone flips you off and everyone road rage, whatever it is, you get pissed at that person for doing that, and you think. And sometimes there's certain cases where yes, it was just that momentary thing that just you get a bit pissed for one momentary yeah. thing. But if they're really going off as something as trivial as you know a scenario on the road like that, I, I think the same way. I'm like, okay, that guy just flipped me off. He's really mad at me. Sorry, I cut you off. You're okay. I'm okay. This dude's going through something else. And yeah. It's like a lot of this is deeply rooted. And so it is a, you know, it offers more patience of understanding that that person might be going through a battle that you don't know about. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there, this I can go on and on the carousel about how, you know, your experiences with death can affect your life. That was a beautiful example. So we kind of step back a little bit because we got into the conversation before, you know, hopefully explaining your story a little bit, if you don't mind of course, yeah. starting wherever you want to start and who we're exactly talking about. So... Senior in college uh, at FSU, and you know, senior year, it's your senior year. You know, you're just living yeah. it up. And um, I was living with my boyfriend at the time, and a couple of friends, and we all worked together, and this and that. Life was great. Blindsided by you know not expecting, so my boyfriend was discovered uh, that he had testicular cancer, and it was stage three C the worst that it could have been. And I mean, it just came out of nowhere, you know? So it was like, um, from, you know, college life to like, oh, holy shit, you know, we're children, you know, mm -hmm. what do we do? How do we handle this? We're not even near our families. Um, so it was just a lot to take in, you know, we had to grow up quickly and long story short, um, he went to the best doctors he could find with Lance Armstrong's doctor. Right, wow. Um, and so for about two years, um, he, you know, battled it. I was there with him and like a nurse, like I say sometimes, you know, I, I used to be a nurse because that's what I felt like. Um, and it just really takes a toll on you. I think especially, I mean, I didn't know anybody who had gone through something like that at our age. Yeah. So not only dealing with cancer alone and, you know, that whole... Uh, battle and mental struggle, but also trying to, um, you know, figure out how to get past college and, and, and heal him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we fought it for two years. We did everything we could. Um, and he went through, you know, rounds of chemo and radiation and stem cell transplants and the research that I did. I mean, I tried to change my whole lifestyle with just like the foods that I would eat and this and that it's terrifying, you know, and you, and then when everything, you know, didn't go as planned, um, you kind of like blame yourself, like, oh, did I do something wrong? Could I have uh, done this better? You know, it's just like a real, like anybody who's, you know, battling cancer or a caregiver for somebody who's battling cancer, it, there's just so many emotions. Yeah. It's hard to wrap your head around, you know? Um, so yeah, we we dated for a few years and then he got sick and um, he was in remission on my birthday and um, he surprised me uh, and asked me to marry him. At this point, we thought, okay, the cancer has gone, you know, it's like the best day of my life and cancer has gone. Here he is, you know, asking me to marry him in a really grand way. Mm. And it was just the craziest thing. It's like, God gave us that moment to enjoy. And then the next day he just took a complete downward spiral. So again, 
you know, with the roller coaster of emotions, I'm young. I don't know what to do, how to handle it. Um, you know, and eventually he lost the battle, but I'm so thankful that I was able to be a part of that. You know, I feel like I was put in that position for a reason because, you know, I, I think I helped him a lot along the way. He wasn't going through it alone, but yeah. So after that, I was like, oh, what the hell am I going to do in Florida now? <laughs> you yeah. know, I can't just uh, stick around here. I was in a super small town. I was young and I was like the widow of the town. You know, everywhere you would go, it was such a small town. People would be like, you know, even a year after. I stuck around for about a year and a half after. And about a year after, everyone's saying, are you okay? You know, everyone's just treating you like... You notice the difference? Yeah, you know, and it's it's a hard thing because even now, when I see that people are dealing with things, I don't even know what to say. When Hmm. I went through something so traumatic and I'm like, how do you not have the right words? I don't always have the right words or no what to say, you know, so I get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy, crazy. And I was just like, you know, what? I'm going to start a new life and, and get out of here because I don't want to be walking around. Everyone feels so s- sorry for me, you know? Um, and I'm not going to just sit here and feel sorry for myself forever. There's a point where you just have to pick yourself up and, and move on, you know? So I moved to LA and I, I drove here. I packed my bags and everything I could fit in my little car with my cat. And um, how's that cat doing these days? He's he's here, yeah, young cool. guys. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> and and we got the cat together as a kitten, and he was oh, so wow. you know he was like so special to me. So I took took the cat and took off. I came to LA, and and now I've been here for like five years. So. Uh, most people, you know, don't know the story behind it, but especially in the business that we're in, you know, people want to, it's, it's hard business and people get really nasty with you. And at the end of the day, all I, I think, you know what, I've been through so much. I have thick skin. I don't care, you know, however you want to treat me. I know that I've been through a lot and I'm mm-hmm. tough and I can take it. And I came out here on my own and I'm surviving. So Against everything, at least I have that to fall back on, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the fact that you're still here is a, you know, you made it out here is an accomplishment. Yeah. But I can't, so what, so I mean, I had a, sim, I drove out here as well, but not the same fashion because, you know, it seemed like you moved pretty shortly after that all happened, right? Yeah, about a year after. And so was that immediately in your head, like immediately when it happened, did you want to get the hell out of there or was that... Because you said after a year later, people are still kind of, you notice things, people treating you different. Then earlier you mentioned you didn't want to relive it with therapies. Was, was any of that those experiences of it constantly coming back on you um, something that forced you out? Like what what got, what wanted you to, what forced you to leave? You just didn't want to be around the same people that reminded you of that? Or was it just wanted to get out? Yeah. So for a while it was like, you know, you need those people who went through it with you because they're your comfort and, you know, um, eventually it was just like, okay, I've got to pick up the pieces and start a new life for myself because it was, you know, his family, his friends. Um, and so it was just, it just became really tough. Like I, I just had to separate myself from that, you know? And also I think that when you're grieving, you're kind of just like in a fog for a Mm. while, you know? So once I kind of snapped out of that and realized like, all right, you know, your time is up, you, you've got to figure it out, then, then that's what I did. But, you know, now maybe therapy or something would be helpful. I don't know. Mm. But at this point, 
I just, uh, you know, or up, up to that point, I just wanted to find a way to, to deal with it myself because I felt like that was going to help me in the long run rather than, you know, just... Was that the first experience you've had with death so intimately that, right then? That was the only experience mm. I've ever had with death. So it was like... That's a prolonged one too. It's not even, you know, my dad was, was like that, but you, you know, yours was prolonged it was years even though he didn't he didn't die over this year but that was that's yeah. brutal that's so hard i can imagine see the thing is too i remember so vividly going through it thinking at least i kind of know what to expect here mm. as terrible as it is i i remember thinking like <gasps> how terrible it would be you know in your situation for example where it's not expected and you can't prepare for that you know I kind of was mentally preparing myself for those two years for the worst mm. so it's like you know I I think it's almost worse you know like in your situation it's unexpected and you can't prepare for that you know yeah I mean it's but yeah, yeah I don't know I don't know that guy every time this kind of going tit for tat for you know, all the experiences. It's like, yeah. there's no hierarchy of it. It's all yeah. unique. But cause I've had experience with, um, Lionel, he was on a prior episode, one of my early episodes and his wife was not, was dying of cancer. And so this kind of similar conversation came up and it's like, yeah, you can prepare for it and you have that time to really think about it while you're living it. But at the same time, like yeah, maybe it helps, I'm sure preparing for it, at least, you know, it's coming, but at the same time, once it happens, it's like, you never know how you're going to react or. I mean, at first I thought my life was over. <laughs> when it happened? When it happened, you know, I would say for the first few months, I definitely thought, I don't know, you know, there was nothing else for me. I wasn't interested in anything else, you know, and then I just kind of picked myself up and was like, okay, this isn't what he would want for you. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's, you know? that's that right there. And I wonder what makes you think that comparatively to some people who don't, because there's a lot of people that go the up, don't react like that they for whatever reason go the other way i mean that's the thing about when you have somebody close to you that passes away it's like you can go one or two ways and even when i moved out here i mean there you know i could have gone one or two ways just like you mm -hmm. and i just kept telling myself okay rise above <laughs> keep it positive, you know, you're, you're not going to like drink yourself to death or throw yourself a pity party forever. It's mm -hmm. not what they would want for us. And so, yeah, you just have to pull together and choose which way you're going to go. And, you know, hopefully you can help other people, which is why I wanted to do this, you know, yeah. because it's like, if you can even help one other person, that's, that's all you need. You know, one other person who is debating, am I going to go right or left? Right. And then they come across your podcast and say, you know what, there's hope. <laughs> yeah, that, yes. <laughs> yeah. And the podcast I just recorded before this, we've been saying, uh, you know, the deeper your grief is the deeper the love. Meaning like, you know, you could be in such a deep hole of, of grief and pain. And as you know, maybe it's not the best thing to say when someone's in that deep of pain, but it's like the deeper the pain, the more love you have for that person. So it's, at some point you got to reflect on how beautiful that is alone. And yet, yeah, you so know, true. it sucks the person's gone, but you know, it's, it's something to lean on. And if you are in that much pain and that equates to the love you had, then chances are, if you had that much love, they'd probably think out the way you were thinking Would that person really want me to be stuck like this. Exactly. Like no way, no exactly. way, no way. So it's, you know, I think that's a really big lesson on, you know, recovering 
Um, so you said earlier that you know there's a stage of anger. Was that like the was that the first? Oh, actually, I'm gonna revert back. You said you were in a state of fog. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. During that fogginess, is there a lot you don't remember by any chance, or is there, do you do you have a strong recollection of that time period? So his doctors were encouraging me to you know go on like antidepressants. Is that the, always the fucking first answer for all this shit? Yeah, it's always just straight to the pills. And they were like, you need to you know take this and. And it was like some strong stuff. And I was just like, no, (laughs) you know, I I don't, I don't want to, but I mean, thank God, but I still was in a fog as Mm -hmm. if I was on something, but I wasn't because it's just so, you know, when that happens, it's so surreal. Like, Mm -hmm. especially if you've never dealt with death before, you know, I had never even been to a funeral for anybody that I like truly cared about. Plus the two years you just had in general, but exactly. while I was alive, that's grueling. And so I was just, you know, kind of like, is this real? Is this, you know, and coming to terms with, okay, what's your new reality, you mm. know? And there's just so many things that you have to deal with that aren't easy. Of course, you know, finding a new life, getting rid of, you know, old things and you know there's just so much to it that i i think i was like in a fog for a couple of months just trying to figure out what was really happening it was mm. just hard to believe yeah also probably because i was young you know i was pretty young um but once i yeah i, I got out of that and i just decided that antidepressants weren't the way to go for me you know i'm sure that they help a lot of people how'd you know that what what made you be so decisive and that you didn't want to do that I think I just know who I am, you know, and I know that I'm like strong enough to be able to cope without being on pills. That was the easy answer. If someone just throws that in front of you, it's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Right. And I'm sure it would have been, you know, it probably would have helped numb things more, but I was already so numb. (laughs) Fair enough. There you go. You know what I mean? I was just like, you know, I'm going to just deal with this my own way. And and I didn't want to to take something that was going to make me even more foggy or, mm. you know, I was already dealing with this and that. So it's just a mind fuck. I don't know. And you yeah. just have to, to be mentally strong and say, all right, this is who I am. This is what they would want for me. And one step at a time, you know? Yeah, I can't speak on I mean, I, I would probably, I never took that path of the, you know, antidepressants and whatnot. So I don't want to speak too much on that because I'm not a fucking doctor, but yeah. I have my own opinions on that. And, you know, a lot of people aren't them. So if it, I guess if it helps them, it helps them. But only the people that are taking them really know if it's truly helping them or if it's just, like you said, numbing them because it's not, I don't know, maybe counseling works for some people, like you said, but it's not, those pills aren't counseling you. They're just numbing you. No, exactly. Right? Unless I'm missing something. No, that's, and that's what I was afraid of. I was like, I don't want, I, I kind of, as weird as this seems, I wanted to feel all of the emotions mm. to make sure that I was really present with what was happening. That's right. That is going to be more accurate with that. I think, you know? the first, yes, 100%. You're spot on. I mean, maybe it would have been easier to numb it all. Fuck and- <laughs> yeah. That'd be funny. Some, I'd probably, I mean, I don't know if I'd be better in the long run, but I would not mind feeling good right now. Yeah. And yeah. I just was like, you know what? you need to be present in this. You need to like really feel it, acknowledge and, and cope with it properly instead of just drugging yourself. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but, you know, I do think some people are probably in really dark places and, um, you know, maybe they need just that little push to help them even get out of bed. And I understand that. Everyone's different, yeah, you know. I mean, no disrespect to anyone. A lot of people are home. I'm just, you know, yeah. I just, I wonder if there's just, uh, you know, other options or not, which I believe there are. Some people don't believe that. But, yeah. um, I don't know. At the end of the day, everyone, the person... Your individuality only knows if you, if actually whatever you're doing is working or not. Deep down, you know. Yeah. Deep down, you know. So whatever works, I guess I can't speak on that. Yeah, none of it's easy. I mean, you just no. have to figure out what's best for you. But I think that the important message is you don't have to go to therapy. You don't have to go on antidepressants. If you you know find other ways, uh, podcast help help podcasts, books, you know whatever it is, and if you're mentally strong enough to tell yourself, okay, I can do this, and they would want me to handle this, you know, this way, then yeah. there's other options, I guess. Yeah, I think I think like you said, you you wanted to feel it. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important, and not divert it or suppress it or push it away. I, I think that's. Probably that's the best advice I could think of is really embracing it. Just like let alone any conflict in life, emotional or whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with, is really absorbing it and letting you feel what you feel. And not, you know, as painful as it is, that's potentially maybe the natural path that you're supposed to take leading you to healing. You know what I mean? Because if you don't, the more you push something off and suppress it, like I, I, I wasn't someone who really always spoke about it. And I guess no matter what it is, you feel better when you speak about it mm -hmm. and not suppress anything. So you felt it. So maybe that's, what did you in so well? Yeah. And I mean, trust me, for a while, I couldn't even say his name without breaking down and crying, you know, mm -hmm. but now I've, you know, gotten to a point where I can talk about it, you know, and I feel like he's looking after me and, you know, you kind of have your own beliefs as you go along, you, you may get, you know, closer to your religious beliefs or further away, you know, if some people get angry and they're like, you know, if they believe in God, why would God do this, this right. and that? Or and some people just hang on to it, you know, like, Lord, please help me. For me, I was kind of neutral mm -hmm. and I wasn't really sure how to feel. But then what I really did feel and I know is true is the crazy things that would happen after, you know. And, you know, I like, like I said to you, I'm not super spiritual, religious, this and that. But things happened that I couldn't ignore, you like know, uh, <laughs> just weird, weird stuff, you know, like synchronicities. Exactly. I don't know if we were recording when we spoke about synchronicities or not. So if I'm being redundant, sorry. No, that's exactly what it is. Just things that you're like, all right, that's too weird. Like, you know, even like I said, seeing you yesterday yeah. on the other side of town and being and today being the day that we were going to record, I was like, damn it, there's my sign. Why is he next to me at a, at a red light? I can't yeah. ignore this, you, you know? And then today of all days, his picture popping up on my memories and my phone, you know, just all these weird things where before I would have ignored that, not even paid attention to it, you know, in any other situation. Now I see those little things and I take it as signs, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I see it. I wonder if that's a consistency with people have, you know, dealt with death or something traumatic like that. Cause I feel like I'm the same way. And sometimes I almost think I force it too much Yeah. because my thought process is, you know, if I can't sh hug my dad or talk to someone who's passed and have a physical tangible, con like we're not, he's not, not tangible anymore. And just thinking from that, if he's not tangible anymore and he's up wherever he is, 
his only means of communication is not a phone. He can't call me anymore. So it's he's got to maybe infiltrate the system that we're living in through signs somehow. Yeah. So it's like that. It seems as if that's the only method, form of communication I can have with him. So sometimes I'm looking too hard. But when I let go and just don't think about things, sure enough, things pop up like that. So I'm, you know. And at first, and I don't know if this is the same for you. At first, maybe I was looking for it too hard and left and right. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe this Mm -hmm. is happening, this and that. But weird things would happen. Like there was a song that I played at his funeral that nobody knows this song. It's the most random song. All of a sudden, this song would just play around me, you know, and be on the radio or one time I moved out here and I went to like a Pilates class. Mm. The song was a very slow song and I'm at a Pilates class. It's, we're not moving that slow. And this song started playing and I was just like, what the hell? You know, it's just weird things like that, yeah. that then you just kind of hang on to and you're like, all right, well, it's there's comforting. a sign, you know? Yeah. And I, it's whether, it, I, okay. So it's a the devil's advocate, even if it wasn't, real sign yeah take it as that and it's real i believe it is i believe in that shit yeah but i know either way if it's if you could take it like that i think it's real i'll tell you something and maybe two other people know this now three (laughs) now everybody (laughs) everybody in the world but this for me was crazy when he when we were all there you know and it was like they were they were saying you know okay this is his last moments the very last thing that he said, religious or not, I don't know why this would happen. And it made me look at life so differently. And just still to this day, I can't really wrap my head around it. The last thing that he said was, it's me, God, open your gates. What? And that was it. And there, everybody that was in the room witnessed that. And he literally said that. And that was his last words. And so... For me, I mean, I even get chills even talking about that, but the fact that he hadn't spoke, you know, I mean, this was a very, very bad situation at this point, and the closest people to him, we were in the room, and out of the blue, you know, we were all like holding hands, preparing, out of the blue, he pops up and says, it's me, God, open your gates, and we were all just floored, and I mean... That made me more religious after that because I just couldn't understand how he was even speaking and how he would even say that, you know, and it just, it was really crazy. It was, it was really, really crazy. I'm glad that those were his last words, you know, because it it gave me some peace, like thinking, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, after that too, it just really opened my mind up to be like, all right, maybe there is more, you know? That's incredible. Was he a religious person? He wasn't super religious, you know, but right before when they were kind of like prepping us for the worst, somebody from the church did come in Mm -hmm. and just, you know, said, okay, Mark, you know, you let's pray about this and you make your decision and, and this and that. And just, you know, that was probably a month before he oh, wow, passed away. That's insane. And and it was just wild. I mean And he wasn't speaking before that or he was kind not, of incapacitated? Totally. What? Totally. And so we were all just like, Oh my god, you know, what how how did this just happen? And yeah, I mean I yeah. <laughs> how does that make you I, I know you said you kinda you know, it made you feel had 
tell me more how you felt, I guess that lingered, clearly lingered for a while. Yeah. I mean, after that, I was just like, there has to be more, you know, and it, it didn't drive me. I mean, you, I would have thought at that point I would have been like a, a churchgoer, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, religiously, but, um, but it definitely <laughs> opened my mind up more, you know, growing up, like I had a super, uh, some of my family members were super, um, strict Christians who were just like, you know, uh, go to church, go to church. And it always being shoved down my throat. I was just like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, you're crazy and you're forcing me to go to church. So I'm not going, mm, no. <laughs> you know? And so I kind of just always, you know, I believed, but I wasn't super religious. And then when that happened, I was like, wow, all right, maybe I should take something a little more seriously here, or at least listen to the universe more and listen to, you know, the, the signs that are being thrown at you and, and, yeah, it was wild. It was really wild. That's like out of a movie. I know. Seriously, that's like that's. I mean, it's, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was something else. That's why it's like you know, I. I feel like I have, I'm compelled to share that because it's such a crazy story. You know, you it, you would just wouldn't think it'd be like out of a movie. So literally. Yeah. Yeah. I got so. kind of got the chills thinking of that. That would, make, that would just make me question so many things in regards to. I mean, in some ways, it almost seems like closure, like he's going, maybe going to a better place. Maybe he's in right. peace now. And the question of just our existence in general is just so existential, it's, especially if you're not a, you know, a super religious person. That definitely makes you think. Yeah. It's making me think. I mean, I've had some interesting conversations on here, but at the last words, literally moments after, he just. I'm telling you, he had not said oh. anything all day. And somehow he popped up out of that bed and said that, and it it was within minutes. I mean, it unreal. was unreal. It was really, really unreal. And I mean, of course, I was a basket case. You know, they everybody. I was just screaming, and you know, everyone just had to kind of like calm me down. And and but but I do think, in a way, it did bring some peace. You mm. know, because I did hang on to that. You know, I really did hang on to that. Okay. I know he's in a better place. He's not suffering anymore. You know, it was just, uh, it's a lot to take in though. Yeah, and, I can imagine. And definitely, you know, have to hang on to things like that and just know that, you know. Is there a reason you haven't told too many people just because it hasn't come up or is there, you think you've been keeping it quiet for well, some it's, reason? It's just like, you know, some, I don't talk about this often. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't one, yeah. like... So many people, like the majority of people that know me, have no idea what I've been through, and you know. So is that something? That's what I wanted to ask you as well. In regards to the process of you going through it, do, do you have people around? Because you seem like it seems like a lot of the things you figure. I don't want to discredit anyone else that mm -hmm. was involved in your process, but it seems like you figured a lot of things out on your own, more or less. Did was anyone around you? Because when you came out here, did you have a supporting cast or? I had a really great support system. So, but the thing is, I was at the time living in Northwest Florida, which right. is where all of his family was. My family um, was about like eight hours away. And so I had a really great support system all the way around. But even the closest people to you, you know, even your best friends, your parents, nobody knows until they're in your shoes, you know? Right. So it was like, they were all there for me. But I probably pushed them away, you know. I think I, I think I pushed people away, and I was like, just let me deal with this because, kind of in a rude way, just mm -hmm. 
how I was absolutely like, I'm not going to therapy. I don't want to explain my story to you. You know, it was kind of the same way with them. I was like, you're here for me. You know, even as parents who I love to death, you know, at the time I was just, you know, I was the one who couldn't even sleep in the same bedroom with him. And he was my fiance, you know, for a year, you know, and just that alone, you know, dealing with it's not something you can like talk to your mom and dad about and, and, you know, you can, but you can't expect them to be able to relate because they're not in your shoes, you know? So I kind of wanted to, to, I didn't really want to talk about it as much. I just wanted to deal with it myself. And I kind of like pushed people away because, you know, I was the one dealing with it and only I knew what I was feeling and all those emotions and you get it. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, you know, when we were talking about it earlier, you know, you don't know what to say to someone who's going through something like that. I don't know if that relates to because, you know, you were looking at it from their shoes. Like, what, like, not from their shoes, but like, what are they going to, what is someone else going to offer you? Some people, I guess it really depends from case to case because I guess, you know, if you you push people away, some people might want people because, but exactly. so I, think they, who the, what's, I don't know what the answer, I guess you seem to know, I mean, you seem to handle things pretty confidently. So do you think you, uh, you know, moving out there and then pushing people away. Did you just want to get away from it? I think so. He's like, didn't want to, you mentioned, I mean, understandably, you meant, when you mentioned his name, you get emotional then or now, I don't know. But is, do you think that was your process? Did you internalize it or did you just try to block it out? I, after <clears throat> a certain period of time, I came to a point where I was like, all right, you cannot, I mean, I was so, it's just so heavy on your mind for so long, you know, mm. that it comes to a point where you're like, you, you kind of have to decompartmentalize, is that the word? Yeah. And, and be like, all right, you still have to wake up, put your shoes on, go yeah. outside. You can't bury yourself. You know, it took me a while for sure. And I think that anybody going through the process should give themselves that time Mm -hmm. and nobody around them should expect anything from that person because everyone is going to deal with it however they want or need to deal with it you know but like you said yeah how do you help people it's like now i even i'm like wow you went through this you should know exactly what to say to that person or how to help what would you say i'm here for you (laughs) i think that's i think that's the only thing you can't say i'm sorry Mm. like oh you're sorry okay you know I'm here for you is all you can say and be like actually be there for them. Because when you say, I'm sorry, or, you know, oh, or how are you doing? I think we talked about this before. We did. Yeah. And that's why I think uh, the I'm here for you is kind of not just the safest, but also because we don't, we, we just alluded to, we don't know what the person actually wants. So it's, it's, I'm here for you, letting him know. I'm a little more physical. I'm like, I might just like put my arm on your back and just like nod yeah. <laughs> maybe a little more quietly. But at the same time, it's almost like, if you need anything, let me know. Exactly. Like you tell, you tell me what you want. If you don't know what you want, that's fine. Because I understand that too. You might not know. It's a clusterfuck of emotions. You know, yeah. like Part of it is figuring out what you want. But uh, I, I don't know if there's an answer. There's so, but there, there are so many options, I think, you know, yeah. whether it's therapy or just sitting there doing nothing, whether it's going to the bottle, hopefully you don't, but like, there's so many options out there and the, like you said, time heals, but you can't just sit idle at the same time. You gotta, yeah. you gotta do something. It gets it, easier with time, it you know? It does. But it, it does. I remember people being like, how are you doing? I'm like, 
you really want to know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what do you mean? How am I doing? I'm doing terrible. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? I wonder I, if you like what would the that would be like if people actually had to answer that question truthfully every time someone asked. Yeah, it's just like the go to thing to say, right? Like, yeah. oh, how are you doing? You know? yeah, what do you say? I mean, do you not say anything? Yeah, yeah. And then I, I don't know what happened with me of when I got comfortable talking about it. Um, because I really don't think I was always like that. And now I have a fucking podcast about it, but I don't think I was always so vocal about it. And I don't know, me, I'm a little different than you. It's been 20 years, mm-hmm. 20 years, it's 20 years. That's a long, that's a long time. I'm not yeah. in a better place in 20 years. I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. So I know, I just wonder, uh, I mean, do you believe talking about it helps? Like, did you ever get vocal about it at any point? Clearly you are net, you're more comfortable, but have you, did you talk to anyone? Honestly, I think only in recently have I gotten to the point where I feel like I want to talk about it more. And now, what, it's been five years? Uh, I think now I finally have gotten to the point where I'm, I'm like, all right, you know, maybe I'll feel better when I talk about it more. Not even for me to get anything out, but truly for wanting to help other people who are going through similar situations because... I mean, I remember at the time thinking, I don't think there is one other person on the planet who is a senior in college who's a nurse for their boyfriend who has stage 3C testicular cancer. You know, like the fact that he even had testicular cancer at such a young age, I couldn't understand. And, you know, after reading and studying more, I realize now it's more common, which is another thing I'd love to bring more awareness to because... Mm. You know, breast cancer is such a thing, but I don't think as many people uh, talk about testicular cancer. Yeah, I'd agree. You know? Breast cancer is definitely more, I hate to say it, but more marketed than testicular cancer. It is, yeah. And I mean, you know, at that age too. So yeah, I think that recently I've been like, all right, you know, now I'm at a place where I can talk about it without breaking down and crying. And if there's anything I can do to help other people who or trying to figure out, you know, how to cope or they're grieving and they don't know what to do. Um, you know, or if I can bring more awareness to the fact that testicular cancer is real and, you know, just like breast cancer, you know, there's ways to like check and, and mm-hmm. same, you know, it's just not talked about as much, but how, it should be. <laughs> how, how did he, how did he find out? Like how, what made him get checked or what happened? It was like the strangest, you know, like a swelling and just being ignored and like, oh, it's nothing. Actually, funny you ask that because crazy story. I went to the doctor for him. Without him there? Without him there. Wow, look at you. I I skipped class (laughs) and I was like, you know what? This doesn't seem normal. I know that he's been complaining about the swelling. He's not going to... He's. You know, he's 23 years old at this point or whatever. And Especially being a guy, it's like, I'm Yeah, no, getting weird. a college guy to, like, go check out, you know, why one of his balls is swelling yeah. up. Like, no, he doesn't care. He thinks it's going to go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was the concerned one. Yeah, and so weird looking back. It's, like, had to have really taken a lot for me to do that, but I did. And I remember I went to the doctor and the doctor's just like, what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah. I'm like, so this is a little unusual. I'm here because I want to tell you what's happening with my boyfriend. What do you think this could be? You know, she's like, okay. And, you know, it could be this, it could be that, you know. But me going to the doctor was proof for him. Like, look, I'm taking it serious enough. I'm going to the doctor. I'm skipping class to go to the doctor on right. your behalf. 
So, wow. this is, you know, he was like, shit, okay, I need to go to the doctor, I guess. And he went to the doctor, and the next day he had emergency surgery. Jesus. The very next day, because it was that severe. And so, you know, it was a blessing disguise that he hopped on it right then, because I think it bought him a little more time. You know, I did get those two years even though it was a really tough two years, I still got an extra two years with him, you know? And who would have known if I wouldn't have gone to the doctor, which forced him to go to the doctor? I mean... Could happen quicker. He got emergency surgery the next day and, um, you know, to remove. And then from there, it was just, you know, the chemotherapy and this and that. And, you know, we had a ton of faith because um, he, like he said, he was in um, great hands. He went to Lance Armstrong's doctor and... But, you know, there's only so much you can do. What is the, uh, what's the physical, physical response from just, at least for his case, like, uh, well, twofold one, when he didn't know he had it, did he notice, was there any physical deterioration before he knew he had it that it was different? Was he sick? So I would say he, he was, he just wasn't feeling great. Mm. You know, the only, he was just tired. Got it. It seemed like he was like tired a lot, but he was also working like double, triple shifts, mm. you know? So he was working a lot, like overworking himself. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just the swelling that he noticed and just being tired. And I was just, you know, I lived with him. So I was like, something just doesn't seem right. This wouldn't, you know? And so then, you know, that's, that's what it took to force him to get to go to the doctor. And then, you know, but yeah, it's, it's something that, should men should definitely you know be more aware of and and see those signs and check for it and not you know let it get to a bad point don't ignore stuff like that yeah i think i wonder if it comes back to a question i'm just you know that's it's not gonna be it's not me it doesn't happen to me yeah <laughs> it's like death in general it's like that you hear all these stories until it hits home yep and then it's like holy shit and no matter what it is, even if it's like COVID, it's like, oh, my people, I think COVID's a big deal, but then hits you at home. It's like, oh, shit, it is. That's why it's, this awareness that you're saying does kind of go a long way and painting the picture like you are, I think is really helpful. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that after that you, I mean, it makes you look at stuff differently, you know, even it's, there's just so much that you have to change about your lifestyle when you're dealing with somebody going through cancer. You know, you can't, uh, like I said, you know, I couldn't even be physical at all. I couldn't kiss him, you know, I couldn't sleep in the same room because he had no uh, white blood cells, you know, so you have, you just want to like uh, hug this person so tight and, you know, be there for them. So is that what it and, is? He's just too vulnerable to catching something else? Yeah. Is that what it would ends up being the, you know, the, the reason why they pass is because it, something else kills them? Well, so for him, it was that it spread, you know, they could only contain it so much. Mm -hmm. And then when it spread to his lungs, Damn. but you know, it's just like, um, it's just a really emotional roller coaster for people you, who especially, you know, who are, are dealing with people who have cancer because, you know, when their white blood cells get so low, there's so much that you take for granted. You cannot order uh, takeout from a restaurant because they have no white blood cells. You can't risk how the food is being prepared. Wow. You can't, you know, there's just so many extra steps that I think a lot of people would never even think about. You know, like I can't sleep in the same room with him. I can't 
pick up food to go. You know, I have to be super careful about what I feed him. Does it have sugar that's going to feed the cancer? You know, it's just so many things that are, are crazy. You have to wrap your head around. See, yeah. those are the details. You know, when someone shares a story like what you're telling me, you know, the focus is, okay, the grieving and, uh, and you know, how you're doing today, which is clearly important. But, you know, you should also consider the the two years leading up to that. Like that is such a... Has such a that shapes that completely shaped you as a person. From what exactly. I'm hearing, you said that is besides like the the after part, which is painful enough. It wasn't it wasn't just that. Like that that's the difference of someone experiencing what I experienced and having something quick. Like there's no which is worse, which is better. It's just but right. at the same time, you had that whole two years of seeing your partner like that, and then the responsibility to do that at a 23, 22. I was twenty four when he. So, so 22 when it started? Yeah. So from 22 to 24? Mm-hmm. And you go through that, that, that makes anyone grow up. You have no choice but to grow up quick. Yeah. So it shapes you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I'm thankful that I look at things differently as, I mean, I would do anything to have him back, mm-hmm. of course, but I'm thankful at least that it made me a better person in certain ways. I look at things differently. I treat people differently. I don't take things for granted. You know, and I truly recognize that I could die tomorrow and I kind of, I try to live my life that way, which, you know, it's easier said than done. You know, you still have to be Mm. responsible and live a responsible life. But I, um, you know, it's just kind of a more laid back approach because at the end of the day, like you can't take things so seriously. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen, you know? No idea. You don't know. And, you know, so yeah, it's like he, there's a lot of things that I probably would take for granted. And now I'll stop and tell myself sometimes, like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. So. It's, easy, it's easy to get, uh, you know, caught back in the rhythm and the routine of life that you forget, yeah. you forget that. But, you know, you're, you seem very, you're very, very savvy to catch yourself and do that. And I get frustrated with myself now that I'm thinking about it is that, no, I like to think I have a similar mindset of, you know, I'm very aware that anything could happen next. I'm grateful for as much as I can. But then there's moments where I catch myself perhaps being a little lazy on certain things and, and I'm not like, you know, pushing forward on whatever goals I want to achieve. And then I get more frustrated with myself because I think I'm harder on myself because I know better. And if I was just like ignorant and didn't have these experiences and I didn't think like life would happen in any moment or take certain things for granted, maybe I wouldn't get so frustrated if I was being lazy for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But now if I'm being lazy on whatever it is, I get even more mad because even when I'm in the middle of the moment, knowing I should be doing something better, it's like I get more frustrated because like I know better. Like what, totally. am, I, what am I doing? Totally. It's like, then I, become, yeah. I wonder if it's all encompassing that I start being harder on myself because I know not to take life for granted. And I kind of think now I'm just having a realization now. I'm <laughs> really yeah. making me think about it. I was like, I wonder if that's why I tend to be harder on myself and because I think about, you know, I'm, I know better. Exactly. I know no. better. And it's like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, like you know, why am I? Hmm. And I mean, some people will never experience what you and I did in their lifetime, you know? They'll go through life and maybe never lose anybody like that, you know? Um, but at least, you know, we can hang on to the fact that it helped shape us mm-hmm. and we have that in our back pocket. If anyone wants to screw with you, you're like, listen. Yeah, pull the postcard out. <laughs> listen, <laughs> I've dealt with some tough shit. I'm not going to deal with yours. <laughs> you know, you have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with me out here. Like Coming out here, a lot of people don't know 
people I've known for years didn't know anything about my dad. Yeah. It doesn't just come up. Hey, my name is Dave. You know, yeah, exactly. My dad's dad. Uh, so I think uh, I think it's important for people to talk about it at the same time. Like you, know, that's why I want to. I wanted to hear your story, and hopefully, more people continue to share their story because you know it's not the uh, the first topic I think people choose to hear to. But whether we like it or not, maybe it's a part of life and. And just like how we were discussing how you may have pushed the people away or pushed the, I think I did the same thing. I try to not engulf myself in my feelings and I just push it away and keep going. Yeah. It's like, you can't really like push away death. It's, it's going to come back eventually. So the more we get comfortable with it, you know, the more you can start appreciating things. You got, you got comfortable with the idea that it could just happen in any moment. Therefore, it seems like you appreciate life more. And if yep. you're just pushing it, then maybe you don't appreciate life as much. And I can't say that's always the case because there's plenty of people that probably don't think about death that are very grateful. Yeah. I don't know the yeah. answer. I'm just saying I think it's uh, it's important to consider and reflect on. It's important to talk about for sure, you know, mm-hmm. and know that you don't – you have other options, you know. Yeah, there's other options. And I don't know the – I don't know what – I know I know the options. I don't know which is going to work for you. Yeah. But, you know, I just don't. I just want people to know just because it's very painful in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to see the light, but it's there. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And it truly it, like, makes it could them, make you a better person and shape you who you are. and Or it can't. Well, yeah. That's your choice. Make you or break you. Can make you or break you. But talk about it and don't go down the dark tunnel. Don't <laughs> go down the dark tunnel. Unless it's a Snickers bar. Yeah. <laughs> But I think uh, I think what you said. I don't want to, you know, cap it on that note. But in regards to you, you know, you didn't take those. Med- it has nothing to do with the where people take meds or not. But I like what you said in regards. To you just wanted to feel it. So I think it's very important mm-hmm. to feel and know that most of your feelings are natural. Even if it's even if it's anger, even mm-hmm. if it's uh, resentment, even if it's you feel like why am I angry at that person? It doesn't make sense. And you start feeling better about yourself. Whatever you feel. It's got to be a reason for it. Reflect on it. Think about why you're feeling. You're going to figure out the answer. Then you're going to mm-hmm. keep deducing backwards and you're going to find answers, but just don't fight it. Don't exactly. Fight it. There really is a process to it. You know, if yeah. somebody is going through the grieving process, it is a process. You know, for me, it started with anger. You mm-hmm. know, I was super angry at first, just like I said, you know, I see people, you know, laughing, going about their business. And I'm like, the hell are you laughing about? You know, like, like how could, how could you be at first when it first happens, you're so confused and so angry. You don't want to see, well, for me, mm. I didn't want to see other people around me happy or celebrating life because I was so torn up inside, mm. you know? And then I quickly had to flip the switch and be like, no, embrace these things. Right. You know, life goes on and I think for me, that's when I realized that, and I, I mean, it's cliche, but I always go back to, you never know what somebody's going through yeah. because if he and I were at a restaurant and we're 23, 24 years old, I'm in a college town. The last thing anyone's going to think is that that's what we're going through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just never know. And so that's why I think it's important to just be a good human being because you don't know what other people are dealing with truly. You know, I remember so specifically, I'll tell you this last story, you know, he couldn't drink alcohol or anything. And when he was in remission, they, you know, he was excited to be able to go have a drink and 
there's just so many little things that uh, on a day to day, most people wouldn't think about. Right. So we sat down to, to go have a celebratory drink because he's in remission. And it's really sad. You know, you think at this point, you know, he's lost his eyebrows. He's lost his hair. He's lost weight. He's pale. He doesn't look himself, of course. And the server, I will never forget. She looked at his ID and looked at him and said, this isn't you. And he just broke down in tears, oh, man. you know, because of course, you know, and, and how do I take her to the side and listen, bitch, you yeah. know, you can tell he doesn't have eyebrows. You can tell he looks sick. You know, this is him. He like give him a celebratory drink, you know, but of course she's not dealing with something like that. So she's not thinking that, Yeah, you know, she doesn't have that experience. She doesn't have but that. It's experience. very easy to get mad at her though. Exactly. Very easy. <laughs> you know, so it's just one of those things where it's like just something like that. You in that moment, I was so mad at her and I had to like step back and be like, OK, she has no idea what we're going through. But, you know, it's just full circle about everything that we're saying. Yeah. You have to kind of be more open minded and realize that you might not always know what somebody else is going through and you can't just be compulsive and and go about your life, you kind of have to take a step back sometimes and realize that there may be a bigger picture there and um, be a good human. <laughs> be a good human. I think, uh, I think it was Albert Einstein that said, we just got to be there for each other's sake. Yeah. And if that wasn't Albert Einstein, I'm sorry for whoever said it, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was him. But Candace, thank you so much. Um, it doesn't seem like it was your first podcast. If that's yeah. any consolation to you, that was great. I didn't uh, cry. I know. <laughs> There's a couple of moments where that I was going to cry. So I was like, let me do this for her. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for sharing your stories of amazing insight. I think you handled this with a, a level of maturity that a lot of people, even myself, I don't think could even comprehend. Thank you. So you should be proud. Um, thank you for sharing your story. I know this is going to connect with at least one person like we discussed, hopefully I more. Hope so. yeah. It will. I know it will. So thank you again. And uh, if you have anything else to say, don't say anything. It's fine. You don't have to. But uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Peace and love. Peace and love. And Albert Einstein. So thank you guys for joining in another episode of Dead Talks. Um, subscribe, like, do all that good stuff. And tune in for next time. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,